0: They're pouring from the buildings now. There's cars
1: toppled. Buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the defense informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now.
0: And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now.
2: The official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the irredeemable Shag from FirestormFan, and along with me, as always, is my uh, co-host, the infected Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, Rob?
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you, Shag. Uh, um, as you could probably tell from my voice, uh, this is not due from years of smoking. Uh, I am fighting <laughs> off a particularly nasty cold, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to muscle through it because uh, that's my commitment to uh, all you Fire and Water podcast fans, so but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, my voice is uh, more than a bit off here, but it, it works out uh, because I don't have to talk too much about uh, t- talk too much for this episode. And uh, Shag, why don't you explain why?
2: Well, it's our present to all of you that you don't have to hear Rob for an hour. Um, no, just kidding. This is wow. you, you like that.
3: The, just could not end the year. Okay,
2: <laughs> I'm celebrating the year by uh, using all my favorite old gags. Um, Folks, this episode, whenever you're listening to it, is going live on December 31st,
1: Woo.
2: the last day of the year of 2012, and we have decided to do a year-end spectacular. In fact, if this was the 1980s, uh, it would be a very special episode. <laughs> uh, we uh, thought a lot about you know what, how much we enjoy doing the show. We thought about this past year. We thought about some of the guests we found on the show, and we said, you know what? You know what we need to do? We need to gather together. Uh, sort of uh, a panel of superstar fans of the show, nuclear subs and listeners and contributors, and bring that panel together for one big, massive show. So we, we kind of put together a formula for what we wanted to do, sent out invitations to all of those guys. Um, unfortunately, none of them were available, so we got these other folks today. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, what's that? I love that guy. Yes, uh, you're going to hear some familiar voices today. What we've done is we we reached out to some, again to a group of people, and we said, "Hey." You know, we want to wrap up 2012 on an up, up, upbeat note. We want to say, what are, what are we thankful for? And we want to hear from some of the other folks. So we asked them to send us an audio file telling us a little bit about what they're thankful for in the, in the world of comics or specifically the New 52 in 2012. So you're going to hear a good handful of voices, and you're going to recognize some of these voices. And some of them you'll recognize the names. And uh, we're going to have some fun with it. Absolutely.
3: Who's, uh, who is
2: first up in the shoot? Well, there's no. I don't need to say their names. They say the names for us. No, that's a good point. So, the first voice you hear, folks, is one that you heard um, just back in September. So, why don't you, uh, as they say in, in Hollywood, roll the clip?
4: Hey, everybody. Michael Bailey here of the blog slash site FortressOfBaileyTude.com, dot com, and the co-host of such podcasts as From Crisis to Crisis, the Superman Podcast, Comics Monthly Monday and the solo host of Views from the Long Box and Bailey's Batman podcast here at the invitation of Rob and Shag to talk about 2012, the year in review as far as the Superman titles are concerned. Shag mentioned uh, in the invite that he and Rob are wanting to stay mostly positive with this. Uh, So I'm going to stick with that, even though there have been moments over the past year. Okay, uh, you know weeks and such, I guess, if you add it up all the time together, where I had some issues with what was going on. However, overall, I am satisfied with the Superman books that we have gotten. There have been some disappointments, but there also have been some really high marks. In the satellite books, Supergirl and Superboy, it's kind of a mixed bag. I really don't want to talk about Superboy Because there is no positive there. But Supergirl, on the other hand, has been a fantastic read pretty much from the very beginning. The pacing is kind of slow, but the character development and what the writers are doing with her has been kind of a joy to read month after month. I really liked their new take on the Silver Banshee. I thought that was an interesting concept and uh, an interesting way to update it for this new universe. Uh, Teen Titans, I don't know if I'd consider that a Satellite Superman book, so I'll skip that one. Dealing with the main books, Action Comics and Superman. Action Comics has been kind of really up and down for me. I thought that Morrison started the year strong with the new origin and the new take on that, Uh, There are a lot of elements in there from previous versions that I liked, but not done in a way that is kind of intrusive to the story. They're there. If you know they're there, it's okay. If you don't know they're there, that's okay, too. You probably won't even notice. The end to the first big story was kind of fun. That was an interesting take on Brainiac. And I think the most enjoyable elements of Action Comics over the past year have actually been the backups written by Sholly Fish. God, he is doing such a great job with those. They are amazing. Most of the time they take certain character beats from the issue itself and expand on it in a more in-depth way. And I usually end up liking the backups most of the time more than the main story. Most of my problems with action comics actually stem from my own kind of idiosyncrasies when it comes to Grant Morrison's writing, so I really can't say that he's doing a bad job on the writing front because he's writing the title that he wants to write. I am not a big fan of it, but that is not to say that it is bad. So, I do wish that the storytelling would have been more linear, but... What do you expect from Grant Morrison? I mean, trying to expect him to write the story I want to read is kind of unfair to both of us. It's expecting something from a writer who is known for a certain style to do something that is outside of what he normally does. Though I've heard from some Grant Morrison fans that it isn't Grant Morrison enough. So, there you go. Uh, The annual from this year was very good. Uh, Again, written by Sholly Fish. Uh, Really cool take on the kryptonite man. I enjoyed that as well. I even kind of halfway enjoyed the backup written by Max Landis. And I've got several problems with him that I won't go into here. Superman has been more of a mixed bag. While action has been up and down in terms of how the storytelling is going, Superman has been up and down kind of in the tone of the book. The Perez story ended... Well, and I enjoyed it, uh, it was kind of your, I don't want to say it was your standard Superman story, because that makes it sound kind of boring and trite, but it was something you would expect from a Superman story. The Dan Jurgens, keith Giffen six issues, man, I just wish that would have gone longer. I really do, it would have been kind of cool to see what Giffen and then Juergens, uh, when he was kind of writing the book on his own, would have done with the character. I am a huge fan of Dan Jurgens, former guest on this show. And I really liked seeing him draw the character again, even though I didn't quite like the characters from the Wildstorm universe being kind of put into the Superman books, because I just don't think they mix. I mean, it's not that it's a bad idea. It's just not something that I would like to see. But there were some great character moments. I thought that Juergens wrote a very good Clark Kent again and did kind of a new take on the character. Very different ...from what he did before, and I kind of liked that, that he didn't try to retread the same ground. I really liked the subplot with Lucy Lane as well, that kind of went nowhere ultimately, but it made for a good six issues. If you read it as a trade, it's a satisfying story. Scott Lobdell has taken over, and I have to admit that I was very nervous about Scott taking the reins of this book... ...mainly because I am not a huge fan of his writing, and the first annual wasn't to my liking. However, to be fair... The first two issues of his main run have been fantastic. I really like the way he writes Clark Kent. Uh, his Superman school, don't get me wrong, but I think he's actually doing something with Clark Kent, which is something I've been wanting to see for quite some time now, especially towards the end of the run before the new 52 began. It seemed like Clark was forgotten. And I wasn't really down with that. And here he's he's kind of taking Clark Kent in a new direction. I really liked the speech that he made in The Daily Planet when he quit, which created a good bit of buzz. And I'm enjoying Hell on Earth so far. The, the first three parts that I've read, because I, I, I haven't gotten to read the Superboy and Supergirl issues from this month yet, uh, just because I haven't been to the shop because of the general craziness of the holidays, You know, I've really enjoyed what has been established. There's some little inconsistencies between the books, but those you would expect from a multi-part, multi-title crossover. That sort of thing is going to happen. It's never going to go perfectly. So I can't really expect it to. But, you know, the Supergirl issue was great. The Superboy issue was pretty good. And the Superman issue, the way it opened up with the conversation between Clark and Lois, I just loved to death. I am very much looking forward to the next year of Superman. I think 2013 is going to be a big year for the character, not only because he has a big budget for Alarm movie coming out, but because Hell on Earth is going to be wrapping up. Then Andy Diggle is going to be taking over Action Comics. Scott Schneider and Jim Lee are going to be doing a mystery Superman book. I mean, it's just the character... For the first time in a long time, I am looking forward to the next year of Superman comics, which is not something I could say over the past couple of years because i really think that dc could have launched superman a little bigger uh, there were some what i consider mistakes made but that's me playing armchair editor and publisher and all that And it's really not the forum for that but i just wanted to throw it out there anyways so that is pretty much it superman 2012 in a nutshell 10 minutes or less i'd like to thank robin shag for inviting me to do this And I look forward to more episodes of the fire and water podcast this year. Bye.
2: Well, that was great, Mike. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) I like how he starts off saying that we forced him to be positive. That was funny. (laughs) We held him at gunpoint. We're the smile police. Exactly. We are the smile police. I like that. I like that. Makes me think of the comedian from Watchmen. So, all right. So next up folks, uh, we've got another longtime listener, uh, this one uh, this is going to be a new voice for you, so, um, well, we'll just uh, we'll just jump right into it. Here we go.
5: Hi, this is Siskoid from Siskoid's blog of Geekery, and the thing I like most about the New 52 is one of the things I dislike most about it, and that's the return of the 1990s. So, yes, we have our Deathstrokes, our Grifters, and our Life Elves, guns and pouches, and anti-heroes. But we also have DC Dark, or what they should really be calling DC Weird. And that took off, really, in the late 80s and early 90s, too. It's an aesthetic uh, that made me fall in love with comics all over again when I went to college. uh, I was in a bigger city, uh, comic book stores all of a sudden, and the discovery of quirky books like Animal Man, Doom Patrol, Shade the Changing Man um sandman and uh, even swamp thing which which had freaked me out at a younger age when i tried it but i was older and readier and my love of bizarre and literate comics has really never subsided these books soon became the backbone of the vertigo imprint uh, which spawned a lot of great books but partitioning the dc characters from the dc universe left it in my opinion Weaker and less interesting. So now, Animal Man and Swamp Thing are back in the DCU as such, and I'm thankful uh, that they're having some measure of success, enough success uh, in any case to warrant slightly more experimental books like Dial H, uh, which is one of my blog's many focus points, and a title everyone really should be, um, everyone that's listening should try to support because. It's really, it's just wonderful. It's exciting uh, stuff. And it's not alone in the DC weird. Uh, There's uh, the Frankenstein Monthly, which is something I'd wanted to see for a long time. iVampire surprised me, uh, just as I thought I was really fed up with vampires in media. Uh, Justice League Dark features a lot of uh, characters I want to read about. Well, let's face it, I'll read anything by my fellow countryman, Jeff Lemire. Uh, And you could even put Morrison's Action Comics and Batman Incorporated in the weird pile. Oh, and there's that incredible uh, Robot Man reboot that was in My Greatest Adventure. Um, We need more Robot Man uh, DC, more of that Robot Man. Uh, And there's the mainstream uh, DC Universe. And then there's, you know, the strange sweet spot where indie comics creators are being allowed to play. And those are the books. I'm most keen uh, to read each week. So this is phone member Siskoid signing off and you can always catch me at Siskoid's Ciscoid, uh, blog of geekery. It's easy. Siskoid.blogspot.com So later, steamers. Uh, get it? It's like you put fire in water. Okay, bye.
2: Dude, call me crazy, but I love that French-Canadian accent. You <laughs> sound so cool. And, uh, I, we've said it before in the show, but man, like, almost everything Ciscoid's into, He, and, he our, our interests sync up so much. So I'd I love, like, uh, he mentioned a lot of the dark titles, or he called them weird titles. Uh, for me personally, Justice League Detroit, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, they're great. I love all those titles. So I'm also happy to hear uh, a lot of the weirdness is back in the main DCU, that it's not just all relegated to Vertigo.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, uh, Really, going calling the fans steamers—that's just—that's just filthy, filthy sick, sick man.
3: They pay a lot of money for that in Chicago.
2: <laughs> They're nuclear subs. All right. Um, up next, folks, is another voice that you've heard in the not too distant past. So hold tight and see if you can understand him um, through the baby talk because he's so young. That—that <laughs> was, that was weak. Just roll it. <laughs>
6: Hey fellow nuclear subs, this is Chad Boekelman, uh coming at you live from my secret headquarters in Austin, Texas, where I plot to overthrow Frank on um, the sheer amount of awesome comics content on the interwebs. And things are going swimmingly, and plans are in motion. The end of the world didn't happen, and, uh, <laughs> all is according to plan. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Anyways, I am, as, a, as I just said, Chad Bokelman. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts, one of three co-hosts, um, over on The Lantern Cast, obviously a podcast dedicated to all things Green Lantern, www.lanterncast.com. And I publish two uh, online comics blogs, the first being coreconjecture.blogspot.com, your spot on the internet for all Green Lantern-related theories and maybe some reviews here and there and so on and so forth and the second blog being the your home for all things ragman dc's tattered of justice um, i don't post as much a whole lot very recently because of the holiday season and family issues and so on and so forth stuff i don't want to get into but uh, hopefully you know at the start of the new year those posts will start going up more regularly and uh, you know i can get some shout outs every all over the place on fire and water like, you know, like normal. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, So, Shag and Rob asked me to put together a little something, uh, just kind of a year in review from my perspective as, uh, you know, regarding what I do uh, in the comics genre. So, um, let's just take it first and foremost personally for me, as a comics fan in general. I got a chance to go to New York Comic Con. Uh, I've never been to a Comic Con of that size. I thought that was awesome. Um, uh, it, it's huge. It's overwhelming, but it's a really cool experience, you know. And, and as far as the Lantern Cast is concerned, we got some uh, interviews there. And then a few weeks later, in my hometown of Austin, Texas, I got some interviews. A lot of interviews at uh, at uh, Austin Comic Con. But uh, and as far as personally as well, let's uh, you know, there's a lot of good series out reading. I got uh, involved in a lot of good indie titles. Um, uh punk rock jesus from vertigo revival from uh, idw uh hypernaturals i believe that's from boom studios um that's great stuff um you know and and then a whole a whole lot of other uh things are just amazing uh as far as the lantern cast is concerned we hit 4 years um we started uh, i i started a new spinoff podcast all about the green lantern green arrow series and that is uh only one episode is out, but it's already got a lot of positive reactions, so that is awesome as well. Um, but let's go from the Green Lantern perspective. Since we got the Lantern cast and we got core conjecture, obviously i got to take uh, Green Lantern first. Green Lantern currently has four titles, not including uh, his appearances or a Green Lantern's appearances, however the case may be, in Justice League uh, or the new Justice League of America um, title that's coming out soon. So, you've got Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern New Guardians, and Red Lanterns. Now, regardless of the quality of these books, and if you want to hear our thoughts on these actual books themselves, you can always check out LanternCast and you'll figure it out there. But disregarding thoughts on quality or where we think the plot should be going and so on and so forth, taking them one by one. Green Lantern is clearly a superhero title. It's got the atypical Jeff Johns kind of dramatic storytelling, it's kind of stretched out and you know there's not a whole lot of action in every issue, but it's a typical Jeff Johns superhero book. So it's very clearly set in the superhero genre. Green Lantern Core. Yeah, it's got Green Lantern in the title and it's got superheroes obviously, but it's it reads like a war book. It really does. It reads like a war title. And then you move over to Greenlander New Guardians, and for the first year, uh, the first 12 issues or whatever, this series has been very heavily sci-fi based. Just kind of like a kick-butt space romp with craziness happening. Like, the main villain uh, in this one of the storylines had a solar system-sized spaceship. And it wasn't just a solar system-sized spaceship it was like a solar system model but that was the size of an actual solar system that was a spaceship. That is very clearly crazy like Kirby-esque sci-fi kind of storytelling. Then you move over to Red Lanterns. Red Lanterns is very clearly a sort of horror type title. So disregarding quality and where we think everything should be going and titles and so on and so forth and not calling any title out in specific or anything you've got a superhero title a war title a sci-fi title and a horror title I think that's pretty awesome as a Green Lantern fan to not only have four titles but four very different types of titles from one company that's pretty freaking awesome I don't think any other character I don't think any other comic can really say that they have that right now and that is a that is an awesome thing to uh, as a fan to to have going on in, in your life um, added to all of that Greenlanders is in Justice League Greenland is about to be in Justice League of America he's got his own animated series on TV Um, that may or may not be cancelled from now on, but it's still, what has come out has been amazing, so hopefully they don't cancel it. He's been in a movie, he's been in two animated movies, uh, there's a, um, there's a plethora of things involving Green Lantern right now. There's a comic book, a popular comic book based on the animated series. There's all kinds of Green Lantern content out there. And that's, that's, uh, that's just awesome, guys. That's, as a fan of of any character if you see that happening to a character you love you got you 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 can't help but be excited and privileged to be a part of that now as far as ragman is concerned well ragman hasn't made any appearances thus far at least that i'm aware of uh, and i'm pretty sure i'm up to date uh in the new 52 so there is nothing really to report on how awesome uh, the, the year has been for Ragman, but I can tell you um, and, and this is gonna sound pretty self-serving, so I hope at least Shag or Rob kind of backs me up and explains this one for me But I think it's pretty awesome that Ragman now has a blog, and I know that sounds pretty self-serving But uh, I'm of I'm of the same mind as Rob and Shag I think every character deserves a uh, a blog if someone's willing to take the time and uh, devote that much love and attention to a character um, and I may not know everything there is to know about the character, um, but I got a passion for it. And I have the uh, intent on picking up every appearance he's ever had that I can possibly afford and pick up and chronicling it. And so that the character has a spot on the Internet for every bit of information anybody could possibly find about him. And, you know, others have cropped up, too. There's, like, now there's, like, a Blue Devil blog, and there's, like, all kinds of things going on. There's a, a Captain Carrot blog. I mean, that's crazy. I think, I think it's, as far as Ragman is concerned, uh, it's been a good year for him in and and that he has the blog. Um, and as I said earlier, I hope to post it uh, more fr- frequently in, uh, at the start of the new year once everything with family and holidays have calmed down. So that's uh, that's my take on it, guys. Um, Green Lantern is just uh, doing gangbusters, and um, and and Ragman is uh, hopefully to appear in the new New Fifty Two going forward. But if not, he's always got a home on the internet. Um, so that's where I stand. And as far as Firestorm and Aquaman go, I know I wasn't asked to say this, but. Aquaman is just freaking crazy, Uh, sometimes the stories get a little dragged out, but my god, it's so worth it, just the art alone is amazing, and it's so cool, and then Firestorm has finally gotten back to its roots, so that's also amazing, so great job for both Shag and Rob, the titles you guys get to cover, so that's just awesome. All right guys, um that's it for me. Um if you need to reach me, uh you can email me at chat@lanterncast.com. At if you want to listen to the Lanterncast, we're available on iTunes or Stitcher. Um and you can find our other information such as uh, voicemail numbers and so on and so forth uh in the various episodes. So chat@lanterncast.com to email me or you can read m- either of my two blogs and please either share um the content or comment on it or follow the blog um, mostly comments. I'm always looking to hear good feedback. So coreconjecture.blogspot.com and the, it's important to remember, the souls.blogspot.com for all things Ragman. Alright, Nuclear Subs, check y'all later.
2: Okay, like this four-year-old is kidding himself if he thinks he's going to overthrow Diablo Frank for the amount of content he puts on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's a fool's errand. <laughs> that, yeah, Chad, that is a venture where you you will just drive yourself insane chasing that one. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that he took the time to mention a few of the other bloggers out there. Like, we've we sort of loosely joked around about calling it the Justice League of Bloggers, because there's, there's so many of us now that are touching on different Justice League characters, and some of us are a little more tied in with each other than others, but I just want to take a second to give a shout-out to quite a, a, a number of them. So just uh, hold tight here for a second, folks. I mean, Chad said a few of them. You know, like he, Chad's doing his Ragman blog. Uh, he mentioned the Captain Carrot blog, which is done by our buddy Sean. You know, there's the Blue Devil blog that just started recently, started by our buddy Justin. Uh, Chad, of course, also has his own Green Lantern blog. There's another Green Lantern blog by another one of our buddies named Liquid Cross. And there's, I want to mention uh, another new blog that started in just this past year is the Black Canary blog done by our buddy Count Druncula. And uh, of course, the blogs that have been around for a while. Michael Bailey's doing. We should, well, we should
3: mention the name of the Black Canary blog: Flowers and Fishnets.
2: That's true. It is Flowers and Fishnets. That's absolutely, right. and many of these blogs have great names. I mean, Captain Carrots, Burrow, uh, Sympathy for for the Devil. You know, these all these have great names. I was just going to kind of go with the character, so that if you didn't know, folks, if if, if there's a particular character that you love. I don't know why you would need to love someone other than Firestorm and Aquaman, but I mean, whatever. Let's just say you do. Hypothetically, you care about other characters. These would be some of the sites you could go to. As I was starting to say, Michael Bailey, he's got his Superman blog. Uh, there is some blog dedicated to a fish guy. Um, I don't go to that site very often, though. Then there's, there's a Batman blog done by our buddy Tommy. There's a blog dedicated to Captain Adam and The Adam, like you know Ray Palmer, by our buddy Frank. There's a Booster Gold blog, which is Awesome. I love Walter's Booster Gold blog. That's a lot of fun. There's so a Dr. Fate blog that started recently by our buddy Juan. Uh, Doom Patrol blog by our friend Doug. Doesn't all update it as often as uh, as I wish he would, and here's a little jab at him, trying to get him to do some more. But uh, it's a great site when it's updated. Uh, Elongated Man. Oh, wow, that's hard for me to say. It's a tongue twister. Get it? Uh, anyway, Elongated Man blog by our buddy Raphael. Kelson runs a Flash blog, an amazing Flash blog. That thing's a monster, that site. Uh, Luke Giaconetti, of course, runs a Hawkman blog. Our friend Jay- Jason runs a Justice League blog. Frank, once again, is running a Justice League Detroit blog. So if you love yourself some Vibe or some Vixen or some Steel or Gypsy, that's the place to get it, man. And it's a fun site. Of course, he runs a Marsha Manhunter blog as well. There's some schmuck who runs a Phantom Stranger blog.
3: <laughs> he is a schmuck. I can, I can speak with confidence. He is
2: <laughs> uh Ange runs a Supergirl blog. If you haven't checked that out, that's a lot of fun. And our friend Arthur started a Swamp Thing blog. And, of course, Frank's doing a Wonder Woman blog. So, I mean, And there's a lot more out there. Those are just the ones that we're a little more tied in with than others. So there is a whole world of Justice League bloggers. So if there's other characters you like to follow, give it a check. You know, in fact, go to Rob's or mine uh, sites and look in the sidebars. And we have lists of other superhero blogs. Like there's even like an Alpha Flight blog. How
3: cool is that?
2: <laughs> well, we're um we're gonna go to break. You know, you guys have had a chance to listen now to Michael Bailey and Cisco and Chad Bokelman. We're gonna go to break. And Rob, do you want to tell them about this special treat they've got coming?
3: Oh, we have a song coming up from our pal Luke Dob. Uh, it is pretty amazing. I don't know what there is really to say about it. Other than you just need to listen to it. So, uh, this is Luke Dob from Dob Creative. Uh, it's from Dobb Creative, the, the annoyingly creative. Annoyingly talented, Luke. The, the, the most dastardly creative man alive. So uh, enjoy the song, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side.
1: A child was a child of a lighthouse keeper. He was a child of the surf and the sand and tide. He was a son of the queen of a lost Atlantis. And on the back of a seahorse, he does ride. Little child, have you ever seen a superhero wearing orange and green? was a father to a fatherless orphan The child of the sea with the purple eyes Who grew up strong, became a teenage titan And then a tempest on the raging tide Little child, let me tell you more Of adventures on the ocean floor Child, did you ever wish it was a hero who could talk to fish? He rules the sea and all within it, an army at the king's command the darkest trenches with a human hook water than a human hand. Little child have you ever seen? The superhero with a red-haired queen. With the power to command the waves, she's a damsel who could save the day. Let me tell you the tale of a husband, father, warrior, friend, and king. It was a child, was a child, a lighthouse keeper. He was watching as the oceans wave, calling him to a future greater to be a king of the sea and of the golden. Little child on the sea at night You ship to the shore with a shining light Little child, let your courage keep And remember the song of the land and sea He rules the deep He rules the deep As a child was a child of a lighthouse keeper. He was watching us the oceans wave.
2: Alright, folks, we are back from break and wow. wow. Uh, Mr. Dobb, that was amazing. When we reached out to him and said, hey, uh, if you wanted to share, in, you know, something creative with us, we'd appreciate it, and that, he just knocked that out of the
3: park. Yes, I'm sorry, I was drinking water to soothe my throat when you <laughs> finished. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing, an amazing song, just, I'm, I'm impressed that anybody, and I know how I have no talent for music whatsoever, so I'm amazed that anyone can put any song together ever, let alone... You know, about something so sort of bizarre and off the beat. I mean, that's why the, the songs that the guys do for us, the uh, Batman pajamas. you know. I mean, we have a Who's Who song for Pete's sake. So I'm always amazed <laughs> that anybody can do this. So that that's a truly impressive um, entry from from Luke.
2: So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got the next one. Is, is somebody you have not heard on the show, which you certainly heard us talk a lot about. So uh, I'll just say we're going from one Luke, uh, Luke Dom, to another Luke. Skywalker. <laughs> Roll the clip!
7: Hey everybody, this is Luke Giaconetti here. You might know me from such blogs as Being Carter Hall, Hawkman blog, or such podcasts as Earth Destruction Directive, or The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, both of which can be found on the Two True Freaks podcast network. Robin Shag of the Fire and Water podcast very kindly asked me to Share with you what I'm thankful for as we come up on the end of uh, 2012, and frankly, I'm thankful for the t- comic book Savage Hawkman, because it means that Hawkman has his own solo book again, a situation which had not been around for quite a while since the end of Volume 4 of Hawkman. The book generally has been exciting, it's been earnest and straightforward, superheroics the way I like it, without a lot of BS added on top of it. The book under Tony Daniel and Philip Tan when it launched was a little murky, The first story arc dealt with the alien Morphysius, and, uh, eh, it was alright. I was probably a little bit in that honeymoon period for it, but I enjoyed the book. Reading it now, it does seem a little drab. But there was still a lot to like about it, including Philip Tan's art. I really dug his stuff back on Outsiders, and I really enjoyed it here as well. Then we got a story with the Gentleman Ghost, resurrecting zombies in New York, and Hawkman teaming up with Static to fight him. Sounds like it should be more fun than it probably was. Unfortunately, Hawkman didn't have a whole lot to do relative to, well, one of the guest stars who wasn't static. Still, anything with zombies and the Gentleman Ghost, that usually gets pretty good marks from me. After that, of course, Rob Liefeld came in as a writer, and Joe Bennett and Art Tiberg came on as the art team, and the book jumped up, in the in my opinion. Like I said... Liefeld, whether you love him or hate him, he has a certain style that he brings and it's very straightforward, and I really enjoyed his tales that dealt with Hawkman fighting all sorts of new foes as he sought to seek out his connection to this strange nth metal. He fought the assassin Pike, who some people said was a lot like Deadpool, but I like Pike and I don't particularly like Deadpool, so go figure on that. He fought the uh, alien warlord Xerxes, who admittedly his name is stolen from 300, but Frank Miller just stole it from history, so that's okay. And then he fought the uh, uh, crazed knight Saint Bastian, who, despite just being a guy wearing medieval armor and a hand with a sword, goes toe-to-toe with Hawkman, and one of the best out-and-out brawls I've seen out of DC Comics in quite a while. Then we get all sorts of stuff about his history on Thanagar, his relationship with the Princess Shaira, and his connection to the Thanagarian royal family. And as this mystery deepened, we're drawn more and more in. Life felt again. Dialogue may not be his strong suit, but the plots were pretty good. And he, his co-writer, Mark Poulton, helped flesh him out. Uh, the Zero issue, for instance, stood out greatly because it told all about Hawkman's uh, time on Thanagar and how he ended up being here on Earth and how he, why he had to flee from his uh, home. After that, Rob Liefeld had his famous fiery exit from DC Comics, and Frank Thierry took over writing the book, as he is currently. The Hawkman Wanted story is the first that we've seen in DC in a long time, a Hawkman-centric crossover. I think the last one of these was back during uh, the days of Hawkman Volume 4 and the Jeff Johns pen JSA title. And even then, it wasn't really Hawkman-centric, it just kind of crossed over from JSA to Hawkman. Here, as Hawkman is being chased around the world by not only Thanagarian agents, but now intergalactic bounty hunters and domestic bounty hunters that want to kill him and get a hold of his nth metal armor, he's been forced not only to uh, battle all across the world against foes, but team up with others, including, that's right, Green Arrow, as we got to see the first in-character meeting between Green Arrow and Hawkman in the New 52 universe, and it doesn't quite turn out to be as contentious as you might think. He also ran across Deathstroke the Terminator, and what t- promises to be a team-up of utterly badass proportions. Uh, Thierry is going to be leaving the book shortly, and he's going to be replaced, at least in the short term, by Tom DeFalco. The art team, as I said, is uh, Bennett and Tibert, and I'm more than happy with these. Uh, Joe Bennett's look for Hawkman is absolutely amazing, his detail that he brings to the armor and the weapons of, of Carter Hall is just beyond reproach, it just looks fantastic on every page, and his design for the new villains, they're also pretty dang effective. St. Bastion, for instance, just looks crazed every time we see him, and I hope we get to see some more of him. So yes, I am thankful as a Hawk fan that Hawkman has his own comic and that it's pretty good. It's right at the top of my reading stack every time I get my box from DCBS. There are some other things I'm thankful for as a comic book fan here, looking back at 2012. I'm thankful for the new 52 because despite the heaps and heaps of derision piled upon it by those uh, fans who didn't particularly care for it on the internet, the New 52 has been both a critical and commercial success for DC, to the point that Marvel, who is on one hand making fun of it, is also ripping it off at the same time. Really, Marvel? An omnibus of number ones for Marvel now? Uh, Gee, I wonder where you got that idea from. But, be that as it may, the New 52, besides bringing a new emphasis on strong creative teams to the bread and butter of DC Comics, which is, of course, superhero comics, has also brought back a good bit of diversity. DC had the most diverse genre output of any comics publisher into the early 80s, up to right before Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, Marvel had long since abandoned their genre books by the late 70s, forget about the 80s. And while they may not be the best-selling titles, we do get Western books, war books, and fantasy books, all being published by DC. Unfortunately, G.I. Combat is ending, but we still have Sword of Sorcery, and we have uh, All Star Western, both of which are going strong. We also get some really other offbeat books like Dial H and I Vampire, things you wouldn't expect to sell nowadays, but seem to be doing quite well. So, I hope that trend continues. I hope DC finds a war property that works. Uh, I know we've tried The War That Time Forgot, we've tried Blackhawks, Men of War, and uh, The Unknown Soldier, and even now The New Haunted Tank. I think that The Unknown Soldier probably can carry on, but maybe not lead his own book, but we'll see. I'm still thankful that we got books that weren't just more capes and tights. You know, Dan DiDio told me a couple of years ago at Heroes Con that there is a market for that non-superhero books, and they're going to feed that market to the extent they can, and him and Jim Lee and Jeff Johns have certainly done that in the New 52 initiative, and I like to see that going. I'm also thankful that Iron Man 3 is going to be coming out soon. I say this because I'm the biggest Iron Man fan I know, and I'm willing to bet probably the biggest Iron Man fan many of you know. Well, to say that you know might be a bit of an overstatement, but you get my point. Uh, I've swallowed the hook completely on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with Iron Man. I ended up seeing the film before it was released thanks to a uh, freebie pass that my LCS owner handed to me. And to say I was blown away would be an understatement. I love the second one just as much. Now that we're finally getting the third one, we're getting the Mandarin. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be able to be objective about this film at all. I earlier this year finished my entire run of Iron Man at Heroes Con, actually. And to say that I'm a, you know, jazzed for this movie, uh, adjectives have not been described to describe how jazzed I am for this film. So expect a lot of that. I'm also very thankful for the new Iron Man book as part of the aforementioned Marvel Now initiative. Uh, Issue three just came out, and Karen Grant and Greg Land are not going to out of the park with a series of done-in-ones that tie into a larger story arc. The second issue, dealing with uh, Tony, dealing with a new Camelot, a new round table of modern knights, was one of the best single-issue Iron Man stories I've read in years, probably going back to when John Jackson Miller was writing the book before Avengers disassembled. I'm also thankful that Morbius is getting his own comic book again. I think the world needs to see a vampire who doesn't sparkle and have a lot of feelings. Someone who actually does drink blood and fights other, worse monsters. I like the idea of monster heroes, and I like the idea of Marvel taking Morbius and putting him in the spotlight. I also like that his book spins out of events in Amazing Spider-Man. I like that Morbius has stayed kind of on the fringe as a tertiary quote-unquote spider character, part of the overall Spider-Man family. I'm interested to see where this book goes and if it continues to tie into the events of Spider-Man. But, we'll see. I'm just happy that Morbius has his own book again. What about the rest of the Midnight Suns? New Darkhold? Hmm, I'm just saying. I'm also thankful that Flash is running in high gear. And yes, I put this note in here primarily for the pun, but as a Flash fan, probably not to the extent of some others who might also be on this show, it's always good to see Flash being in the top form like he is here, and this book has been an absolute joy. As a comic book fan, I'm also thankful that the new Godzilla book from IDW is loads, loads, loads better than the rather poor Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters. I don't understand why you would make a Godzilla book and then spend most of your time fawning over Lady Gaga analogs or advocating for President Obama instead of, you know, actually showing us giant monsters. The current Godzilla book is definitely worth reading, and it does focus on, that's right giant monsters. I'm also thankful that 2013 promises to be even better than 2012. DC upped the ante with the new 52 and Marvel is return the favor with events like uh, Avengers vs. X-Men and now the Marvel Now initiative. I think the more it, it the more and more these companies go back and forth, the better the product's going to be. You know, it's the old adage that you need good competition in order to put out your best work, and that when you don't have competition, you start to lull. Well, I think here, with DC throwing down the gauntlet, Marvel has had no choice but to respond. We also have a gaggle of good nerd-related movies coming out in 2013. It's Man of Steel, and Iron Man 3, as of course I mentioned and the new Star Trek and various others. It's going to be a good year at the box office, I think, for nerds all around the world. So I'm looking forward to 2013. It's been a good year in 2012, but I think we can do better. I always try to strive to improve every year in whatever field of endeavor, including being a nerd. And finally, I would also like to take this time to express my deepest, deepest thanks that I am indeed thankful for.
3: Gold! In these Carolina hills, yee I don't tell you what, on this Fancy Pants internet radio show, there's gold in these hills, I tell you what,
7: hee-hee-hee! That's what you guys get for saying I sound like Grizzled Old Prospector Shag. Speaking of which, I want to thank Shag and Rob for not only giving me this opportunity to talk to you guys today, but also putting out the Fire and Water podcast, which remains one of my favorite podcasts on the internet. So, thanks for listening. I hope everybody had a great 2012 and we have a better 2013. So, let's keep it going one more year.
2: (laughs) You do sound like a grizzled old (laughs) prospector up in them
0: Carolina hills.
2: Um. So, just to follow up a couple things that he said, you know, I'm I'm also bummed out that GI combats come to an end. It's just it's not fair. It's it's really not fair. Or um, hell, I, as they say. Oh, I'm Hawkman. Now that Life Lifealt's gone, and sorry, Luke, I, I probably will give it a try. Honestly, I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. And even regardless of how pretty the art was, I just couldn't read that. Now I will tell you that I'm already back on Deathstroke now that lifefield has gone. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, hey, Luke, Darkhold, uh, the next generation, you just hold your breath on that one, buddy. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, coming up is next, we have our final, uh, entry from another voice that you'll recognize. And, uh, whoo, folks, uh, let me just say, strap in, uh, Grab those earphones tight <laughs> uh, This is a whirlwind of information and thoughts and See if you can cult- guess
3: who, who is going to be coming up for this, well, I mean, intro.
2: We, yeah, People have been demanding the return of this individual And, and boy, he's back all guns blazing So uh, strap in, be ready uh, See if you can keep up with the pop culture references And uh, away we go
8: Seasons, greetings, and salutations this is the pseudonymous Frank, proprietor of such blogs as The Idlehead of Diablo, and Dinah Prince is the new Wonder Woman. Despite the New 52 kind of being lousy in general, it's really not that much worse than DC Comics has already been for the entire 21st century under Dan DiDio, and it's actually given me much to be thankful for of late. I'm thankful that John Jones is no longer the token green guy in Stormwatch. Now, the only time he appeared in human form, he was pretty much Clark Kent, the whitest person ever, but John was functionally T T-dog to Apollo's Rick and Midnighter Shane on the Wildstorm Dead. Every single member of Not the Authority was prioritized above the Alien Atlas, even the Little Asian Girl and the Dirty Hippie. It's one thing to be a Jim Brown to the JLA's Dirty Dozen, but Ronald Fraser in Too Late the Hero is quite another. The Sleuth from Outer Space was routinely upstaged by a bondage-freak Batman twink dressed like the gimp from Pulp Fiction with an alternative marital aid glued to his chin. When you're sidelined by British superheroes with the power of not having to wear shoes on a city street, your star is falling fast. The most exciting thing the had did in a year's worth of the series was the unauthorized impersonation of the eponymous Mongolian Death Worm from a Sean Patrick Flannery vehicle. If you haven't been following Stormwatch so far, you chose wisely. I still haven't motivated myself to read the last few I bought. I'm thankful the demonites are getting pulled ever deeper into the DC New 52 verse. I've been reading about the same dumbass 1956 DC aliens for decades with their robes and antenna and big teeth and stuff. Even a bunch of brood wannabes seem vastly more contemporary. Hellespont, the bastard love-child of Magneto and Ghost Rider, is like a precious diamond as a superman villain after another run with Brainiac version nineteen point six eight two three and a third or the latest what were they thinking iteration of General Zod or anything at all to do with Mr. Mitchespitalik. Hellespont is empowered with blue flames a blue flame is what killed Mars in the Bronze Age, and the only time we've seen Martian Manhunter demonstrate a vulnerability in the New 52 was after being blasted with blue flames from a Hellspont acolyte. Not to keep my hopes up, but I kind of would like to think that means somebody read something about the Martian Manhunter, remembered it, and will integrate it into a modern story. In nearly 60 years that has never happened in a Martian Manhunter story. Jack Miller wrote 13 years worth of Martian Manhunter strips and barely remembered the names of the lead and major supporting characters from month to month. If it takes John Jones mingling his juices with the dubious creative legacy of Jim Lee to make the terms Martian Manhunter and continuity less of an oxymoron, I will take that with a big dumb grin on my face. I'm thankful that Miss Martian exists and is a viable character. When she was introduced, I thought she would be more fuel for disparaging Superman family comparisons at best, and a throwaway plot device at worst. Instead, Megan Morse can be the corny, sweetheart Supergirl hasn't been allowed to be in decades, and can even eye up Superboy without any squeaky, incestuous stuff coming up. Despite being a sunny idealist, Miss Marshall can carry heavy themes of racism, mental instability, and serious questions about personal and social identity. Thanks to the Young Justice cartoon, Miss Martian probably has more fans in the world than the Marsh Manhunter does. And if the tail wags a dog in a positive direction, I'll take that too. I'm thankful that the Martian Man Hunter finally gets to become a member of the Satellite Era Justice League. I'm going to break rank and state for the record that the Gardner-Fox JLA stories were, and were intended to be, cardboard juvenile nonsense. That book didn't get interesting until young punk writers came in and started allowing girls in the clubhouse and letting the members jump up each other's asses. The Hawkman and the Atom shared a book for a few months after their individual series faltered, but since nobody was reading it, fans didn't really start seeing the tiny hiding riding on the Winged Wonder's shoulder until the Satellite Era kicked in. Barry Allen got chummy with Hal Jordan, and Carter Hall's conservatism didn't sit well with Oliver Queen's liberalism, not that anything the League ever did was good enough for the friggin' Green Arrow. Ray Palmer married that crazy witch Jean Loring, and Adam Strange married Alana, and Wonder Woman cold slapped Superman, and the League became the nexus of the DC Universe as the home of every billboard listener that couldn't carry a book except John Jones. For 16 years, John Jones was stuck on Mars 2, occasionally peeking into the clubhouse through a window, a solitary, ironized Cody tear running down his unusually prominent cheekbone. Of all the Silver Age DC heroes, John Jones was most singularly and pointedly left out of the Bronze Age gang, and that wound has been opened up in a big way since the Brad Meltzer League cast the Alien Atlas out again, and he stayed out for another half dozen years. Joining the new Justice League of America is like coming home to a place you've never been before. But John gets to make it his own by joining with Vibe, Katana, and the non-factory-colored Green Lantern by making it double as a Justice League Detroit revival. I just wish they could have worked Vixen in there somewhere. Speaking of that team, and acknowledging that I have a one-on-one blog, too, I'm thankful Steve Trevor is guiding the Justice League of America. I see it as a nod to all the company's war heroes of old, like Sergeant Rock, lost to the shifting tastes of time. I love seeing Trevor as a realistic soldier juxtaposed against those tight-fitting costumes, as opposed to joining in like a shiny vinyl Nick Fury. DC Comics has collectively decided that they'd rather have a brunette Red Sonja than the Wonder Woman created by William Moulton Marston and sustained by generations of varying degrees of talent, and that's shameful. But I'm glad the New 52 has given a license to finally shed the doctrine of George Prez and allowed a ton of discarded Wonder Woman mythos to return full force. Steve Trevor can be a young, confident, ass-kicking spy again, while cheat is back to being a force to be reckoned with worthy of Justice League attention. I feel that DC is limiting Wonder Woman by forcing her into the Xena mold, turning her into Superman's plus one, and having her steal Cassie Sandsmark's parentage and part of Nubia's origin like she had Donna Troy's powers of flight, which utterly destroyed her life. But I'm glad that at least another door has opened for Steve Trevor and Princess Diana's lengthy connection to the U.S. military. Maybe someday that will mean an all-inclusive, truly amazing Amazon will finally have her day, instead of various creators focusing on narrow aspects of the character that exclude whole segments of her potential audience. Lasso of Truth, Bullets and Bracelets, Invisible Plane, Tiara, Purple Healing Ray, Sisterhood of Intelligent, Scientifically Advanced Amazon Warriors, Really Fat Yankee Best Friend, Tumultuous Relationship with Steve Trevor, Weird Kinky Drips, Loving Submission to the Authority of Themdom, No One Is Beyond Redemption, Make Love Not War, That's How You Get One on One Right, but I appreciate each baby step. Returning to and colluding with, with Martian Manhunter. I'm thankful that he finally has a reasonably cool uniform instead of the tired, unimaginative Ed Burrells wrestling togs he's failed to rock for nearly 60 years. The Conehead Hunter went too far, Brave New World didn't go far enough, but the New 52 design by Jim Lee is as close to just right as we've seen so far. I'd love to see a hybrid that incorporates favorite elements of past costumes like the high-collared cape, but what we have now is potentially iconic in a way that being a more lanky, bald Hulk could never have allowed the Martian Marvel to be. Further, DC has been promoting a more badass Martian Manhunter on his new team as, I quote, the most dangerous of them all. One of my all-time favorite covers of this character features John Jones punching the Man of Steel while stating, Not only are you human, Superman, but I've made you bleed. As part of the Magnificent Seven, the Alien Atlas was always doomed to be unfavorably compared to Superman, and to a much lesser degree Batman and Green Lantern, for bringing nothing to the table that wasn't already provided by the other six. As a scary, mind-buggering, invisible, intangible, shape-shifting, semi-antagonistic alternative to Superman in a less morally steadfast unit, the Martian Manhunter can finally become more than a spare superhero for times when being a leaguer was beneath the major players. I love this character, and I want to retain the integrity of his concept and interpretation across the ages, but I am perhaps most thankful to look to 2013 the expectation that the Manhunter from Mars will either get to finally own some suckers in the DC Universe, or at least lose to a higher caliber of foe than whoever the Superman or JLA creators are trying to build up this month by throwing John under the bus. I love that DC seemed to be dropping the Martian in the name and focusing on one big, green, significant Manhunter in the New 52. It's about time John Jones was recognized as THE Manhunter. Undiluted by a host of Paul Kirk's successors, and most importantly, that he's being positioned by a creative team with editorial have to finally, simply, be the man for once.
2: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Diablo Frank has uh, left the building now, folks, but wow. Um, The only thing that needed was a mic drop at the end. (laughs) I don't even know what to say after that. Oh, Frank, we love you. That's what I'm going to say. We love you, Frank. And I'm so glad uh, we found some way to get you back on the show in 2012. And we're have, What's that? I'm glad he's on our side. That's
3: true. Imagine, oh, imagine that energy directed at you if he didn't like <laughs> <laughs> it. It's, it's a terrifying thought. <laughs>
2: Well, I am bound to determine we're getting him back on the show in 2013, just because I want to. I want to bask in the presence of that insanity. Just wow! Yeah,
3: it's great. You just hit record, let him go, and hit stop, and you've got a show. <laughs> uh,
2: well, folks, all right. So you know what? We we've given a chance for all of our friends to say what they're thankful for. Um, it's time for us to say what we're thankful for. Rob, um, I'll go ahead and start. I want to say first off that I, in this past year, uh, and this succeeds beyond the year, but really just thinking about this year, I am incredibly thankful for the community of folks that has been built up around this show, around the Fire and Water podcast and the Who's Who podcast. You guys are the absolute best. Uh, I've got friends amongst this group. I've got, you know, just mere acquaintances, folks that... I only know because they're freaking hilarious. I mean, it's a great group of people, whether we're chatting on Twitter or I'm at, uh, chatting with – honestly, I was chatting with someone on Facebook the other night at like 2 in the morning who is a fan of the show and listens and enjoys, and we're just engaging on topics we both have interests in. And um, I, can't, I can't tell you how much I – and I don't, I don't mean to say fan of the show. That's not really fair. They're just – they're great folks interacting with us really. Let's just put it that way, community of listeners. Um, but I'm so appreciative for them. I'm so appreciative for you guys and the relationships we built and the, and the and the back and forth. Because, and, I mean, we're all geeks. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just into this. We're all interested in it. And it's nice to be able to have other people to talk to about it. You know?
4: It's great.
3: Yeah, and absolutely.
2: I want to – I'm going to say this. And if these sound bites ever come back to haunt me, then I'm just going to have to kick somebody's butt. But I will say it one time out. uh not going to be repeated, but I want to say – how incredibly thankful I am for my co-host, Mr. Rob Kelly, and how much his not just co-hostishness but also his friendship means to me. We uh, we do talk off off air from time to time. Uh, we do know what's going on in each other's lives, and I think he is honestly one of the nicest, most genuine guys I know. And I'm really appreciative of his friendship. So um, and you don't get to talk, so you just hush your mouth over there, boy. Now, in the world realm of comics, because, you know, we did say this was thankful for the New 52. Here we go. Um, there's some comics in particular that I'm thankful for just because they're damn good, and I enjoy reading them. And things that make me happy make me happy. So here we go. Aquaman, of course, is a good comic. Yay! Flash is a good comic. Very good comic. I am so thankful for Justice League, tar- Justice League Dark turning a corner when Jeff Lemire came on board. Because it started off, it started shaky. And since Jeff Lemire has taken over, it's been such a good book. Uh, I'm also thankful for Animal Man, another Jeff Lemire book. Very enjoyable. The art really isn't necessarily my thing, but the writing's so good, it's just a blast. DC Comics Presents, uh, I'm really thankful that they brought Blue Devil back. It's certainly a different incarnation, it's a whole different game, but you know what? Blue Devil's back, that's what's important to me. Along the same vein, uh,
3: Vibe is coming back. Unbelievable.
6: I know, and he's got his own series.
3: (laughs) Justice League of America's... Vibe. That's got to be attacked right off. That has to be. <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful
2: for the Justice League comic that it's, from where it started to where it is now, I'm thankful for that transition.
3: Yes, I would agree with that.
2: Yes. Now, outside of the new 52, uh, I just do want to mention a few comics real quick. I'm thankful for Daredevil. It's a great comic from Marvel. Thankful for Hawkeye. I'm so, I'm so glad I discovered that comic this year. It's so good. And uh, IDW's Doctor Who, it's, uh, having a good Doctor Who comic is just like, it just makes me so happy. So Now, of course, uh, you might be sitting there scratching your head going, Shag didn't mention Firestorm. Well, of course I'm going to. I'm very thankful for the Firestorm book. I'm very thankful for the people who read Firestorm Fan. Uh, I'm extraordinarily thankful to the creators that have been so supportive of our, of the site and of this fan community over the last year. Yildare Sonar is a true gentleman. He is a king among kings. He's an amazing artist and a super nice guy, and he's been so supportive of Firestorm Fan and also the Fire & Water podcast. Uh, I also want to say thank you to Gail Simone, Ethan Van Skyver. I mean, when the year started... That was, the, that was the creative team on Firestorm, Yildre Sonar, Gelson, and Ethan Manskyver. Then Joe Harris came on board. He was very kind towards Firestorm fans, super nice guy. Uh, I'm really glad he got his great Pacific book off the ground over at, uh, I guess it's Image, this year, which is wonderful. And then towards the end of the year, uh, obviously I'm very thankful um, for Dan Juergens coming on the Firestorm book, setting the series on more of a classic Firestorm run. You know, I'm really enjoying that. I'm so happy to have the classic Firestorm back. And, I'm, you know, Dan came, if you don't know, folks, Dan came here on this show. And Rob and I had a chance to talk with him for like an hour. He's incredibly nice guy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was great. You know, he's this huge celebrity in the world of comics, and he took time to talk to us nerds, you know? Was... <laughs> Why the
3: hell did he do that?
2: <laughs> we had a great time. We were cutting up and just chatting. And he and I actually have emailed back and forth a few times afterwards. Um he doesn't email Rob. He told me he didn't want to. But, um, and that's not really true. I just made that up. I also want to say I'm thankful to Ray McCarthy, the anchor on Firestorm. He and I have corresponded a couple times. Incredibly nice guy. He's actually sent me something that I'm going to be giving away as a contest in 2013 over on Firestorm Fan. So you guys will have to wait to see what that is. And, um, again, it, it all comes back to this podcast. You know, if, if the Firestorm Fan website were to disappear tomorrow... I would still want to do this podcast. I enjoy it. We have a blast. The, I'm so glad we've done more of the Who's Who shows because it gives us a chance to go beyond just Firestorm and Aquaman. We get to talk about all, all kinds of goofy characters. I mean, one minute we're talking about Batman, then we're talking about Brother Power the Geek. I mean, that just does nothing's cooler than that. So, it's been a fun year. Uh, certainly, there's been challenges, but I'm just choosing to focus on the positive aspects of the past year. And uh, you know what? All in all, if you look at it that way, it was a fun year. So, looking forward to 2013.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, my list would normally be a little longer, but I'm gonna have to cut it short because every word is painful to Aww. speak. I'm sure every word is also painful to listen to, as usual. Uh, <coughs> um, wah, wah, wah. Um, no, I, I, I like Shag. I'm very thankful for this show um, that we. This was something that we worked on for a long time. Talking about getting it off the ground, and then um, we had several false starts. Um, I think we recorded. <laughs> The first episode, like four times before we finally, I think so. before we finally got it right. Um, so, but but now we're all, we're, we're moving. And we, we've got a good rhythm down, and I'm very very thankful for the show. And you know something um, that I've learned from doing the Firewater podcast and from from doing Ace Kilroy is that for you know for most of my twenties and my thirties, I always assumed that I couldn't work with anybody else. I just wanted to do everything by myself. I wasn't interested in ever collaborating with anybody because I always assumed that I couldn't. And I guess that was sort of a self-limiting thing, but I just that was my belief. It was always just like, oh, I I, I don't want to work with anybody. Well, you know, um, from doing the podcast and then later from doing uh, Age Kilroy, I learned that you know, no, I not only can I collaborate with with someone else, I enjoy it. You know, there's a um, the, you know, the, this thing is more than the sum of its parts, and I really do appreciate that. And so it it, it sort of ha- the Fire and Water podcast has expanded my horizons. Um, as a creative person, because I'm able to see that you know I can't, in fact, work with with someone else. It would be easy It would be better if I had a, had a you know a little bit easier co-host to work with. But you know, you do, <laughs> there it is. Just wait for something. You do your podcast with the host you have, not the host you want. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, charisma Carpenter wasn't available. I
3: will say yes. I will say this though. Okay, one thing that you guys don't necessarily hear is um, frequently when we're recording. The show is interrupted by my dog Johnny. She doesn't. She does not <laughs> like it when I record because I'm not paying attention to her, and she frequently barks. And so, she's constantly interrupting the show. Now, I don't like to have that on the show. I don't like to have it in the background. Now, that's not. I'm not trying to say that people who do put stuff like that, you know, have that sort of uh, ancillary sound on their show is a bad thing. That those people shouldn't do that. Uh, barely, but. um... I, I'm just saying, no, no, I'm just saying that I just prefer not to have that. So
2: uh, Well some people, such as the aforementioned person, actually make it part of the show. Right, exactly. And it's enjoyable. And I and I keep telling Rob it's fine.
3: Right. No, I just, something about it I just don't like. So so uh, frequently we have to stop and start. And I will say this Shag is superb at getting finding me the right spot in which to pick up where we were interrupted. And he makes the editing of these shows so much easier, um, the last show that we recorded the who 's Who Show, no, not the who's Who Show, the one before that. I think Johnny must have interrupted the show like ten times, <laughs> and every single time you know I found the spot where okay I'm gonna I, I here the barking kicks in here we gotta edit, and then Shag was able to pick up right at the exact spot so we made this perfectly clean edit, which I don 't think anybody would even recognize, and I really do appreciate that's like that's like you know, like top level broadcaster quality, uh, being a, being able to do that. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people forget what they were saying or whatever. So I do appreciate that. it. Makes my job a lot easier to sort of make the show be the show that I want it to be. So um, I'm very, you know, I am very, very, very thankful that that we've been doing this. And and like I said, and as, as Shag mentioned, uh, we do talk uh, off the air mostly with legal documents back and forth, but. Um, <laughs> we do have a good relationship And I think it comes across on the show And I'm looking forward to expanding the show And doing more We have we have lots of fun ideas that we want to try and pull off In 2013 And I'm I'm really excited to see um, If we can get to those um,
2: you, You're going gonna to tell me what those are? Because this is news to me
3: Yeah, no, this is just stuff I'm doing on my own this is Oh, sure oh, right, okay um, In terms of comics Um I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of that exactly because, there's, you know, I don't know. I want to keep this sort of short. I am very thankful for the great relationship we have with the Aqua guys. That is um, really, really special to me. And, uh, you know, growing up when I was, you know, like five or six or seven reading Aquaman comics, the people that made those comics seemed like, you know, like not real people. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like you know, wow, these people make comics for a living. They must be gods. You know, they must be these 30-foot-high <laughs> people that talk in this booming voice. And, you know, over time, through the Shrine, through the podcast, I've gotten to be friends with these people. And uh, it's been incredibly rewarding. And I'm really, really thankful for the 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 kind the kindness that has been shown to me from um, Ivan Reese and Joe Prado and Rod Reese and uh, those guys have, have all been, been great. And I'm very, very thankful also for the guys that helped me Run the shrine. Um, we got Joe Slab, Russell Burbage uh, from uh, Great Neck, Indiana, and uh, <laughs> um, Andy Luckett. They all do contribute to the shrine, which helps keep the, the the blog humming along. And I really do appreciate that. So I'm thankful for for all those things.
2: You know, it's interesting. To me, you mentioned uh, about being thankful for that those things. It just started me thinking. You know, when when each of us, and we've said this on the air before, but when each of us started our blogs, our characters were basically dead. I mean. Arthur Curry was dead when you started your blog. It was yep. Joe, you know, Joe Curry or whatever. Sort of uh, Aquaman. Sort of Atlantis. And in my case, Ronnie was dead. And Jason had been relegated to being, you know, a very, very background character in Justice League. So pretty much when we started our blogs, our characters were dead. When we started the podcast, our characters didn't have their own comics. Weren't even appearing in comics really anywhere. And then now... They each have their own monthly series. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll be able to say that for a lot longer, but as of 2012, both of our characters have their own monthly books. That's amazing. It is.
3: It is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, no, never in a million years would I think I would ever see headlines like Aquaman outsells all Marvel titles. Like that is crazy. <laughs> crazy. This is crazy.
2: It's a weird world we live mm, in. It truly is. Well, folks, uh, we, as I said, you know, we want to thank all the contributors for this episode. Um, there were others, honestly, we would have loved to invite a lot more people. So I, I don't want anyone to feel snubbed or something. We just, we had a limited group of people we could work with. So, uh, there's a lot more people we'd, we'd love to have had. All you listeners are, but
3: a limited number of people we could work with and Frank. <laughs> Zing. got to get it in before 2012 wraps up. Love it.
2: Uh, you know we'll be back soon with either uh who's who or, or firewater I don't remember what's next I guess probably a review episodes yeah, coming up next. next yeah we got the
3: 15th next
2: yeah and so uh really looking forward to uh 2013 looking forward to more communication through the community I'm looking forward to the community getting to know each other I've actually seen other people post uh, that how much that they've gotten to know other people in the Firewater podcast community I think it's fantastic so um speaking of people contribute uh, yeah. I'm just going to say <laughs> Stay tuned for a zinger. Uh, it doesn't say his name, so I've got to put it in here. John Godwin's got a zinger for us, which is
3: awesome. It is. Well, who else? <laughs> who, who's that with him?
2: Oh, uh, his girlfriend, Rachel. There you go. See, I, normally, you don't want to talk about a zinger, but it's not a case where he says his name. So got, i got to mention We've
3: got to give him credit. Yeah.
2: So thank you, John and Rachel, for that. So, folks, uh, until next time, Rob, tell them where they can find Aquaman Shrine.
3: That's dot com, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally Google+. Plus.
2: Lies. Um... You can find Firestorm Fan over at FirestormFan.com. We're on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We are actually on Google+, Plus, unlike Rob is. Uh, Tumblr. And uh, I guess you can find this podcast now in addition to iTunes on Stitcher. Woo! Yep. So uh, thanks so much, folks. Uh, Fan the flame. Ride the wave. Happy 2012. And here comes an awesome 2013. Yep. See you
1: later, guys. Bye. Bye. Aquaman and Fire Friends forever. Yeah
0: You know Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, the Lanterns, Cyborg and Aquaman, Batman and the Titans, but do you recall the most obscure superhero of all? Firestorm the new nuclear man. Has a very glowy head, like a campfire. And if you ever saw it, saw it, you would even say it glowed. like a chimney. All of the other superheroes, superheroes. used to laugh and call him names like Matchstick. They never let poor Firestorm, Firestorm, join in just justice league games, like Injustice. Then one balmy New York night. Killer Frost came to say, Ha ha ha, Firestorm, with your hair so bright, won't you let me kill you tonight? Firestorm managed to stop her. Stop her. Batman looked at him thoughtfully. I'm Batman. Firestorm, the nuclear man. Nuclear man. You will join the Justice League. Unlike Slipknot.